Hello, and welcome to the next episode of our Tilney Investment Podcast. I'm Holly Merriman, Director of Investment Management at Tilney's London office, and I'm talking with Ben Seeger-Scott, our Head of Multi-Asset Funds, about the current market environment and the impact that monetary policy is having on markets and asset classes. Before we begin, here's some important information. Nothing in this recording is intended to constitute advice or a recommendation, and you should not take any investment decision based on its content. Any opinions expressed may be subject to change without notice. Remember that the value of investments can fall as well as rise, and that you may not get back the amount you originally invested. Past performance should not be considered a reliable indicator of future returns. Different funds carry varying levels of risk depending on the geographical region and industry section in which they invest. You should make yourself aware of these specific risks prior to investing. If you're unsure about the suitability of an investment, or if you need advice on your specific requirements, you should seek professional financial advice. I thought it would be useful if we could start with a recap on what's happened over June. During May, at the point of the last recording, we'd witnessed a period of volatility and equity market weakness, and funds had been flowing into safe haven assets such as government bonds. During June, we seem to have seen a complete reversal of this, with global equities currently up 6% month to date and 16% year to date. And we're on track for the strongest start to the year since 2011. So what's going on and what are the main catalysts for this change in sentiment? Well, you're exactly right in terms of the movements and the reasons are largely political. We talked last time um, about sentiment, about what's happening with China. The market's typical reaction is to have some sort of shock. Everyone marks their, their stocks down in response to this new information. But then markets tend to look through that volatility. You tend to see a recovery. And I think that's why we talk a lot on these podcasts month to month. There are elements month to month that are unexpected. It drives that volatility, that measure of uncertainty. But this is why we keep talking about the importance of looking through that noise to the longer term, medium and long term investment strategy. Specifically, what happened in the last month, as you say, markets fell sharply in May, recovered in June. Actually, if you're a sterling investor, it's been even better because those market falls arguably are of about similar magnitude. The fall in May offset in June if you're a US dollar investor. But because of sterling, sterling fell in May, so it buffered some of that downturn. But the, the currency has effectively stayed where it is. So we've taken all of the upside. If you look at the numbers, May in sterling terms, you lost about 3%. And as you say, markets up around 6% in June. So actually a good outcome overall. And a lot of this is coming back to what we've seen post-global financial crisis. What we're witnessing is an almost Pavlovian response. Any sort of weakness in the market triggers a response from uh, the monetary authorities, so central banks pumping money in. And I think if you look last year to the start of this year, we talked a lot about a, a restrictive, potentially restrictive stance moving to neutral in the US. And now it's gone further we're seeing more active stimulus. We're seeing central banks endorsing what the market is pricing in. And any time you have central banks pumping in monetary stimulus, then you tend to get these, these pickups, particularly uh, in equity markets and risk assets. It's not just the monetary stimulus that's helped. Some of the moderation in the tone coming out of the US. So a very quick resolution we saw last month to the US-Mexico issue, not really a trade issue, more around national security and domestic politics. But also we have recently witnessed some moderation in the latest rhetoric coming out of the US and China. Of course, that could change at the time of recording. Awkwardly, it's just before the key G20 meeting when Donald Trump will be meeting Chinese uh, President Xi Jinping. So anything that comes out of that 
could swing swing things around. But certainly the supporting messaging has been cooling. Perhaps not a de-escalation, but maybe a moderation and, and hopefully not further increases. So the reasons for the, the strong return in June is largely a reversal part of some of the worst fears from May, coupled with some monetary stimulus. During the first half of the year, we've taken a more positive stance on equities, based on assumptions that we would see more accommodative policy from the Fred, which we've sort of just talked about, but also um, the lagging in effective increased fiscal stimulus in China last year. Can you explain in a bit more detail what happens, why what happens in China should have such a positive impact on equity markets? Absolutely. China is really important to the global economy and global markets in general. China is the world's second largest economy. It is also growing at pretty breakneck speed compared to developed market. We talk a lot about the slowdown. The slowdown there is down from 12 down to now gone through seven, heading towards six. That's still very fast compared to the West. Uh, and I think China is a global consumer. A lot of uh, growing middle class in China is a key source of global consumption, which is why what happens in China increasingly is important to, to the global economy. And the channels through that sort of manifold. We've talked before about fiscal stimulus and this move in China as they try and get away from being an investment and export led economy more towards consumption-based economy, we're seeing the fiscal stimulus going from infrastructure that tends to be very direct but short and sharp into some of the reforms such as around taxation, reducing personal taxation levels, increasing the reliefs. That encourages consumption. And that's important for the world because a lot of global companies, particularly those in the West, particularly when you look at their report, all of them talk about the growing consumer in emerging markets. I think we saw a lot of that in, in Q4. If you look at some of the companies having the toughest times and all the reports in the news, the likes of Jaguar, Land Rover, BMW, even Apple, as a side effect potentially of the trade war, the concern that uh, things were getting tougher in China caused a dip in sales that hit the share prices. And really that talks to, to the globalised nature um, of the world. So I think you're having this overspill from China, both from consumption itself, but also when any economy stimulates very aggressively, inevitably some of that capital in the domestic economy that's going to increasing the local economy will spill over into other asset classes. Particularly, the, That's particularly the case in China, where state intervention has kept interest rates relatively low, particularly for state-owned enterprises. That leads to effectively a crowding out. Because if you're seeking an investment return and the government's pumping money in, if you start to get a few more assets, you look at your domestic economy and say, well, not great rates there. But if I go outside the official economy, so that's where a lot of shadow bankings come in, alternatively, you can try and invest your money overseas. And obviously, China historically has been quite tight on some of the capital controls, but those are loosening up. So really, China is a global player, both in terms of the economy, the trading as a global consumer, but also increasingly through capital flowing in and out of China. So it's clear that... um monetary and fiscal policy are still having a very important effect on um, equity markets. Are the underlying fundamentals still supportive of equities at these levels as we go into the second half of the year? What do you see as the main risks to this current view? Uh, I think the fundamentals at the moment are fairly reasonable. That said, on a medium term basis, whilst earnings look solid 
Earnings expectations this year are a little softer. Part of that is driven by concerns over, over the trade war. So elements that CAD could be quite, quite short term. I think what has changed is perhaps the mix in policy, particularly or the, the risk in drivers between monetary uh, and more baseline economics. As the economic fundamentals have come under a little bit of pressure in the short term, that's been replaced by monetary stimulus. So net-net, I think the short-term outlook isn't radically changed. The challenge is that liquidity-driven markets are not sustainable. And arguably, you'd be better placed having a more solid fundamental outlook in the short term for earnings, thereby allowing interest rates to drift higher than what we have at the moment, which is monetary stimulus pushing markets in the short term. But you tend to get diminishing returns off the back of those, so it's not particularly sustainable. That said, there are all sorts of positive scenarios. Monetary stimulus is supportive. Uh, the trade trade elements are, are seeming to moderate. The best scenario would be some monetary stimulus in the next month or so, coupled with some sort of resolution to trade. And I think that would be an ideal scenario and is not inconceivable. Um, I think the likelihood of things deteriorating significantly are, are quite remote. Um, and I think both China and the US know that they have uh, a lot to lose by that going any further. Not to say it won't happen, but I think some sort of muddle through is uh, is most likely. I think it's interesting if you look at the market pricing on that stimulus. We've talked a lot this year about flatlining or dipping uh, in terms of interest rates. If you now look as we sit at the end of June, the market's pricing in a 100% chance of an interest rate cut in the US. So a lot of this is now very much in the price, this softening. The talk is more Will it be a quarter point or a half point? The likelihood is actually just a normal quarter point. But the market pricing, which is not a guarantee, these are just the assumptions, all of the market is pretty much saying 100% there's going to be a cut. So that is going to stimulate. I think the key risk is, as I sort of alluded to, if we do see a material escalation in the, the trade war rhetoric, both from the US and China, that's going to have an impact. If those tariffs start being implemented, that has a knock-on impact on the supply chain. It will hit US companies, Chinese companies, and spark a global trade war. That is a main risk. An alternative risk actually is almost the reverse, that if you have a resolution, if we end up overstimulating the global economy, if you have a resolution of trade, you have monetary stimulus and fiscal stimulus coming through, on a medium-term basis, that could drive inflation. And I'm still very much of the view what will shut down this quite extended market and, and economic cycle is inflation, because it always is. Inflation getting out of control, uh, central banks having to respond by tightening policy, I think that is a risk. But that's more medium term. And there's no significant signs of that in the short term. So we often spend a lot of time talking about equities and the impact that um, all these things are having on the equity market. But what impact does the current market environment have on other asset classes, such as bonds and gold? Um, global bond yields have been falling again recently. Gold is currently trading at the top of its range. Why is this and, and what does it mean for investors? You're exactly right that when a lot of people think about investing, their mind immediately goes to the stock market. It's relatively plain vanilla. It's reported on the news. And a lot of our portfolios, they are multi-asset and we hold these other asset classes Fixed income, so bonds and gold, are less easily understood, but very important. They are considered safe haven assets. And I think that there's a big risk there that safe haven 
doesn't mean they're immune from price, price falls. In fact, gold can be very volatile and you see quite significant price moves. And what has been interesting in the year to date, even though equities, particularly in the US, hitting fresh all-time highs, as these risk-on assets are, are picking up a lot of inflows, the risk-off assets, so bonds as you highlight, are also picking up flows and looking quite expensive. I think you know when you have UK benchmark bonds, so the 10-year government bond, hitting levels we haven't seen since uh, the post-EU referendum shock, you know, 0.8% to buy uh, and hold a 10-year government bond looks unattractive. And the risk as we look at, at parts of the market such as that, if you expect, as we do, inflation to be around about 2% over the long term, if you hold a bond yielding 0.8%, all you're going to do is lose money over that period. And I think it's important to remember Whilst they're viewed as safe havens and risk-free assets in terms of the cash flow, that's not necessarily true of the price and the price will fluctuate. And as we've seen so far this year, there's been a lot of reasons to be uncertain, a lot of risk out there that's driven people into these risk-off assets. And what's interesting, whilst equities have undulated, so we had the risk-off month, now had a risk-on month, we haven't really seen that in government bonds or indeed in gold. So it's interesting you're getting a conflicting signal between equity and, and fixed income markets. All significant things for us to think about when we're um, constructing portfolios and, and managing investments for our clients. Um, as we are coming to the middle of 2019, um, I just wonder, have there been any significant changes to our investment outlook since the start of the year? And if so, why? I'd like to think there haven't been major changes. There has been some element of moderation. We try and have an investment strategy that looks through a lot of the short-term noise. And everything that's happened since the start of the year really is is related to, to that noise. That said, we are evidence-based. So when the data change, we all change our view as well. We had assumed, as I think many market participants had, that the US and China were close to a trade deal. And that's where all the signals were. As that's gone into reverse, effectively, it's a an inversion of some of our, our views that monetary stimulus would likely remain flat as we have this trade resolution. And as that's changed, we think a trade resolution is probably still on the cards in the medium term, but less short term. And instead, what we're going to have is a liquidity driven market. So that has been a bit of a change in view. Really, though, that's pushing that, that view out further. What is most important is that markets cannot continue on monetary stimulus alone. So we do need to see some change in terms of the core economic fundamentals. So I'd like to think a moderation in response to market data, but not a, a radical shift. Arguably, if you spoke to us at the beginning of the year, we were talking about looking for more attractive entry points to get back into the equity market. We were looking for this catalyst of economic fundamental stabilising earnings revisions turning around. Um, what the, the sentiment backdrop has meant is we haven't really had those entry opportunities. And I think where we, whereas we started with looking for reasons to add to equity, now that sort of pro-equity bias has moderated. We are still positive, but I think until we see a, a more significant change, uh, it's unlikely we'd be looking to for some sort of catalyst to go further at this stage. Thank you, Ben, for your comments. All vital elements that we consider when managing money for our clients. We will be back again next month with a new episode. If you have any feedback, questions or comments, please send us an email at podcast at Thanks for listening. Thank you to all of those who have been listening and giving feedback to the podcast so far. 
If you haven't already done so, please make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that the next episode comes straight to your feed. And if you have a few moments, please leave us a review on iTunes. Also, if you want to keep up to date of when new episodes are coming out, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tilney Group.